Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready? It's the Roundtable with me, Robert Bannon. Welcome to the Roundtable, everybody. My name is Robert Bannon. I'm so excited if you're listening to us on the Broadway Podcast Network or you're watching us on YouTube. It's great to be here. You know, I was born in the 80s and I was a child of Broadway and theater growing up in the 90s, especially mid to late 90s. So in 97, before the movie Titanic came out, the musical came out. It made a lot of buzz because it was very expensive. People thought no one would be interested in the Titanic. It was before Leonardo DiCaprio did not uh, make it and survive. And Kate Winslet kicked him off that door (laughs) floating in the Arctic. And the show got a lot of buzz because Rosie O'Donnell's show was on at the time. She had the cast on the show. It was a big to-do. And Maury Yeston wrote this, wrote Nine, wrote Grand Hotel, wrote a ton of theater of the 90s and 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 being revived and be doing it forever. And before Encores put Titanic out next year in 2024, it's coming out as a screening event at a Fathom event in 700 movie theaters. So how cool is that? You can see Titanic on November 4th and 8th in cinemas, the UK production. Maury's a legend. He ran the BMI workshop forever. Anyone who's a writer or knows anything about writing knows Maury and Broadway. And he's here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here, joining us now. You know, it's always trouble when a couple of Jersey boys get together 
And, you know, especially Hudson County Jersey boys, you know, then you know you're really in trouble. Jersey City's own Tony Awards. I remember the year. I remember seeing Titanic. I remember my parents taking me. I remember the lookout coming down from the ceiling of the Broadway theater. And now, Maury, you're no stranger to big screens and, and, and his stories being told in theaters. Titanic comes to theaters for two nights. Maury, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. And and a, and a great reunion for us, uh, Jersey's, our cityites. Um, you know, Jerry Herman, the great Jerry Herman, it not only it, it came from Jersey City, his mother, Ruth Herman, was an extraordinary singer. And she was the queen of the Jewish Community Center in Jersey City. And uh, uh, his parents owned a summer camp called Camp Stissing Lake. And I went to that summer camp. And in fact, Jerry was a senior counselor there, and he's very, very, uh, really a formative influence on my life. I was, uh, I was very young. I went there. I think I was about seven the first year I was there, and there, as it was a magician. And Jerry, of course, had been a teenager, and he had already started re writing his music. He had written his first few shows, and uh, he was the senior counselor and the music counselor. And a magician came and did his, his job, but in the middle of the uh, of his show, uh, I had to go to, to the bathroom. And so one of the counselors, I was so young, it was young women who took care of us, not even guys. This yes. young woman took me to the bunk and brought me back. And by the time she broke back from the bunk, the, the show was, was finished. And there was nothing but bare uh, bunks, uh, uh, benches. And I sat on the bench and I refused to leave because I wanted to see what I missed. And Jerry Herman came and sat next to me. He was probably 19 or 20 at the time. And he put his arm around me and he explained to me very carefully something I've, I've never forgotten, which is basically, uh, Maury, when the show is over, the show is over. <laughs> and he and I talked about it so often, years and years and years later. Like, great Jerry Herman. <laughs> he I was so he, close. He, you have been close to some of the greatest, yeah, and yourself writers. Yeah. You know, you go, you grow up, and we're going to get to Titanic and the big screen and all of that. But sure. you grow up in Jersey City. Yeah. You have a family who loves music. Yeah. You, you end up going to Yale and studying in Cambridge and all this fancy dancy stuff, and then yeah. you start coming up the ranks with Alan Menken and Howard Ashman, and yeah. you know. At, Ed Kleeman and and Tommy Chun does your work. Like what? what I'll, give was you, I'll give you this. I'll give you the sequence, which, which is interesting. So, so of course, there we were in Jersey City, and and I just started writing music. Right. Uh, I I mean, when I start, took piano lessons, the minute I started taking piano lessons, I started making up music. Uh, of course, with Jersey City is just a train ride away from New York. My mother loved musical theater, and so she would take me to musicals. Uh, uh, it's just a, a magical miracle moment that the very first show I saw when I was a little boy was something called My Fair Lady. And I sat there next to my mother watching Julie Andrews and Rex Harrison. And I looked at that and I listened and I said to my mother, I want, I want to do that. I, I knew that. I want to, I want to make stuff. I, that's what I want to do. That's, I, it just, it, to have that in my blood. And I started making up songs and I started writing lyrics while I was studying classical music 
And so all of that blended into the sort of what I guess is my style, which is out of a classical structural sense, but and and but that kind of that kind of hilarious sort of um, humor that you that you had in My Fair Lady, and of course that melodiousness. And you know, it's funny how all these things came connected later on. I mean, later on, my my dad was very friendly with a man named Herman Levin, who had who had uh, produced My Fair Lady. Uh, and um, he used to go to the racetrack, and he and Mr. Levin and Julie Stein and all of those pals, they would uh, they would sit and 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 bet on horses and things and, and things like that, uh, along with uh, Alan J. Lerner. And 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 Herman was like uh, was like an uncle to me. Uh, and uh, and when it came time to do nine the musical, of course I had just I I had no rights to that. It was just a project, you know. And because I, I loved it, and I. I, I write things to keep my pencil sharp and because I write what I want to do and what I believe in. And so I had written this and, and suddenly uh, uh, there were a lot of interest in, in, uh, in, in doing that show. I, the, the producers are interested in it. And somebody said, well, you know, in order for you to do that show, you're going to have to have the rights to Fellini's eight and a half. You know, I had seen eight and a half when I was a seventeen-year-old. Uh, because uh, it was the time in the '60s when uh, foreign films had really hit the world. It was Fellini, Antonioni, uh, Satyajit Ray, uh, uh, Kurosawa, and Korea. And I went to see this film, eight, eight and a half. And it, and Fellini had done it. It was Fellini doing a movie about the Fellini doing this movie. But you know, the character. Oh, he was having a midlife crisis, right? He had his wife, he had his mistress, he had his, right? And Fellini was having a midlife crisis because Fellini was doing a movie about Fellini having a midlife crisis. I looked at that screen at the age of 17. I don't know why, well, I do now. And I said, I'm that guy. Why would a boy from Jersey City who had just gotten his driver's license and went out to Irvington, New Jersey to an art house cinema to see, why would I say, I identify with that man? I knew it was my story, I don't know why. And when I grew up, that's what I wanted to write. Only much later did I understand that a man's midlife crisis is a second adolescence, right? Your first adolescence is what's my sexuality? What's my relationship to the opposite sex? What do I want? What's my goal in life? What's my identity? How do I separate myself from my? All of those things. You go through that. That's your adolescence. Well, Fellini was doing a movie about a man. In his second adolescence, which I saw exactly at the time when I was in my first adolescence. And that's how I, oh, that's now I have come to understand. That's why I knew somehow I connected with that story. I understood what he was going through. And that's, that's how Nine happened. Now, as you mentioned, Alan and Ed Cleveland and things like that, how that happened simply was that, um, uh, I uh, I had written this I had written this uh, song called New Words and Herman Levin ha had said to me you know you really ought to uh, uh, Alan J Lerner really should hear this and so Alan J Lerner came up to his office and I played the song for Alan J Lerner and he said to me you know Oscar Hammerstein used to have me come by his office and give me pointers you come by my office and I'll give you pointers. Uh, I, 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 that, that's, that's how that worked. But how we got the right state eight and a half is a magical story. I got the telephone number of Fellini's lawyer. 
And I called him up in the middle of um, the, my, the morning, and he said, you know, pronto, as they answer it. And I said, hello, Mr. Mr. Salas, that was his name. Uh, this is my, my name, or yes, and I've written a musical based on Fellini's uh, great masterpiece movie, Eight and a Half. I would like to come to Italy to discuss acquiring the, the, the rights, the, the dramatic rights. And he said, uh, excuse me, Senor Yeston, I don't speak English. So, so I, I had traveled in Italy and I had taken a course at the university. So I was able to say, non fa niente, mi chiamo Mario Yeston, sono composer. I said the whole thing to him in Italian. And he said to me, bravo, Senor Yeston, but we will only work with a well-known Broadway producer. And then I don't know where I got the courage or the guts or the whatever. And I said to him, well, would you not agree that Herman Levin is a well-known Broadway producer? Herman Levin produced My Fair Lady. Herman Levin uh, discovered uh, Carol Channing. Herman Levin produced The Gentleman of Ferrance. I said, well, I can come to Italy in, in a week or two and, and, and talk to you about acquiring the rights to eight and a half, representing myself and my partner, Herman Levin. So he said, okay, I'll see you. And I called Herman, who was like an uncle to me. And I said, Herman, can I go to Italy and, and say that I, I want to get the rights to eight and a half for, uh, for myself and for you as my partner? He said, he said to me, sure, kid, but swing around the office before you go and sign a release <laughs> because he was a lawyer. So I, I went to Italy with the lawyer and we had a conversation and one thing led to another and uh, there we were with the rights to eight and a half. Boy, and that, that's it's, like it's a astonishing. Fairy it's tale. A, all these things are astonishing. You know, uh, how, how BMI happened was that Lehman Engel had decided that he was going to create this this workshop and um, I, I think it was Lerner who said, you know, there's this workshop you really ought to go to. And I went there and here was wonderful Herman Levin and sitting there were these other people who had just never done it before. One of them was me, one of them was Edward Kleban, one of them was Alan Menken and the gang. And uh, we, 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 we did our songs and we did our projects and Herman would give us pointers and criticism and then we would come back with rewrites and that's how we all honed our craft. So the first one to really break through was Ed. Ed got a chorus line. And my God almighty, how fantastic. And I think then, you know, uh, then I kind of broke through with nine. And then of course, Alan did everything else. <laughs> no, but interestingly about that, and, and you should actually, for all of your listeners and those of you who want to do musical theater or just do things in the world, that this is how these things happen. You, you must dare. And you must, you, if, if you want to do something, you just go for it, you know? Um, so I had had nine, and, and uh, it had gotten to the point where the O'Neill Foundation had created this summer program. Uh, the first one that they did when they started it was Desire Under the Albums. The second one was Nine the Musical. They, I, I sent them my score, and they said, oh, we will mount this. And they found a young director whose name was Howard Ashman. And Howard came. Howard was so helpful there. He was... He was he was creative and he was and a really tough critic too and a, a wonderful guy and the, the reading went very well and we were we were sitting we were having a cup of coffee towards the end of it and he said look he he confided in me he said you know um, I write lyrics and I'm looking for a composer and I said Howard you have to meet my friend Alan Rinkin you guys are made for each other 
And, and that's that's how that's how these things happen, you know. And then they, you know, they they did their wonderful work, and then of course came Disney, and that and that's how they wrote everything else that had to be done for Disney, except Lehman Engel died, and I took his chair for about eight or nine years, and sitting in front of me were all these new people. Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, um, Robert Lopez mm. and Kristen Anderson, and then she became Kristen Anderson Lopez. But then, you know, Bobby Lopez wrote 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 Avenue Q, and 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 then, of course, they wrote everything else. <laughs> and so, more and more and more. And so, you see that that workshop then became this extraordinary uh, for for decades siphon of young, talented. People, so it's not necessarily young either, all moving their way on in in their careers, starting from what Lehman Engel did, and then, as you see, we now have organizations and we now have places all over New York and all over the country where you could get your start. But it was we're the generation, thanks to Lehman, thanks to people like Alan J. Lerner who took me under his wing, and and that's how that started, and that's why. I make sure I help out the next generation coming up. And, and do you ever, yeah. I mean, do you ever, if, it, if it's the Songwriting Hall of Fame, if it's BMI, if it's, I have friends who have gotten the BMI award. It's such a big deal in music yes. to, to present your works and get this award. It gets you in front of producers. It gets you funding. It gets you some cred. And yeah. your story, I think what you said, the nugget of information there is, Either we're, we are brave or we're crazy or we're both. But when we want to do something in this artistic world, it takes some chutzpah and it takes some... It does. It does. But, you know, and, but, the very, but the basis of it all is, and you know, the best advice I can give to all of the young writers who are thinking about there is, no matter what, it, it's not you. It's not money. It's not who you know. I truly believe in my heart of hearts, unless you're living in a, in a, in a cellar, and, and unless you're living in a missile silo somewhere in Nebraska, good work exerts its own pressure to be heard. Good work finds the, itself into the light of it. I honestly, it's a mystery. It's a puzzlement. Honestly, I don't know how it happens. But when somebody writes a great song, somehow that song forces its way into the world. So just, just. Do the work because any opportunity, any any somebody you might meet, any interview you might have, any anything doesn't mean anything if you don't have on the table before it a wonderful song. Yeah, you know. Well, more, you know, my friend, he, I think they won a BMI award not too long ago. My friend Matt Gould and, and of course, and yeah. Matt Matt says to me, it's a calling. It's like a cloak. It's like it a is. Yes, it's exactly right. Uh, I was I wanted to ask once, you know, what makes you write? And he said to me, well, I guess I just must be neurotic in that direction. <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking about great writing. You were talking about Nine. I was lucky enough to see the revival, the revival uh -huh. of Nine yeah. um, with this all-star. I'm doing an event with Cheetah Rivera on Monday. Oh, how wonderful. Give her my love. <laughs> we're going to definitely be talking about her time in Nine, show-stopping that cast and that oh. show. And that show came out. You put that show out. You did things like Grand Hotel, and yeah. and you have you have shows running on Broadway. Titanic, 
Titanic as a property, Titanic as a story, how did the idea come about that this would make it as a Broadway musical? And did you start writing it? For, what, how did this happen? I'm happy to tell you. So first of all, of course, until it happened, right, it, is, it, it, was, it was one of the great jokes about what, what would be the worst idea for work in the world for a musical. Oh, well, naturally, the worst maritime disaster in history with 1,000 and 2,000 people died in a few hours, right? Uh, the great, greatest failure in the history of the Industrial Revolution. Oh, what a great idea for a show. So, but, you know, and I'll talk about two people, me and Andrew Lloyd Webber, and both of us must have been nuts to do a horror movie. What, what was that? What was that, you know? But no. you see, or, or how crazy was I to do an indecipherable Fellini movie that doesn't even have a storyline, right? So, but, but in each case, you have to trust your own instincts. You have to, well, if I'm passionate about this, if this interests me, maybe it'll be interesting to other people too. You have to, you know, and, and you have to be brave about that. You cannot think like a producer. You cannot think, hmm, what should I write that I, that, that I know will sell, that I know will succeed? You can't do that. You have to say, what am I so passionate about? What can I not stop thinking about? What gets me to a piano or to a guitar and gets the best work out of me? That's what, that's what, that's what, you, that what you must do. In the case of Titanic, um, well, I guess it was, we're getting around the great turn of the, the great millennium, right? The year 2000 was coming up. And so when, when you live through a period of that, you start thinking about history and start thinking about what we know. What are the, what are the really great events of, you know, the last thousand years, you know? And if you go from, you know, 1900 more or less and, and the year 2000, because that's where, you know, that's where we are, um, Titanic and, right, the, 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 the created a boundary line because it's really a boundary line between that world and sort of the, the modern world that we're in. And not only in terms of our striving for accomplishment, but also our failures. And I thought to myself, Titanic, what a, that's a really interesting thing. And I really couldn't stop thinking about it. And, and I started getting musical ideas about it. And I started thinking of it as what an incredible dream, you know, to, to do that. And then, and then I thought, well, yes, of course, it's, it was a, a complete disaster. It was a complete failure. I understand that. But what was the motivation for it? Mm. Well, well here's, this, here's this industrial revolution, the British Empire. It was the apex of what you could do in engineering. They could do anything. And what was the most important thing? Well, they were the maritime they were the maritime capital of the world. They, 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 they owned the seven seas. Every, everything that they had to do in terms of shipbuilding and Sheffield and, and all over, right? they, were, they were the peak. So they, they had the absolute most cutting edge industrial technology in the world at the service of the most, one of the most important things that ran the world, which is simply just shipping, which made the world go round. And and the worst thing that could happen the, 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 was that a ship could founder or sink and people would die. And so just as Jonas Salk devoted his life to finding 
a vaccine that would keep you from getting polio, they thought we must devote our time and our life to the ultimate dream, to build a ship that would not sink. Because that way, what more could you do for mankind in preserving human life and avoiding victim after victim after victim ending up at the ocean bottom because of the failure of a ship? If we could build a ship that would not sink, and God knows, with English engineering, if we can't do it, no one can. And so off they went to accomplish that dream. And yes, they failed. But they failed in the service of wanting to improve the human race and to preserve life. It was as noble a, uh, as noble a project, despite the fact that because we're human, we failed. And as I was thinking about this project, sitting at my desk, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Challenger Space Shuttle blew up right over my head. The Challenger Space Shuttle, the apex of American space engineering with three completely innocent, magnificent heroes, and they lost their lives. Mm -hmm. And it was a tragedy. But it was a tragedy in the service of a great dream to explore space, to make new things that would improve our knowledge and improve our health and improve our science. And so I thought, aha, that's my story. And that's the story I'm telling in Titanic. And I saw all of the positive aspects of it as a dream. Titanic is about dreams, and even though sometimes our fondest dreams fail, we still dream. They still went up there in that space shuttle, in spite of the fact they all knew its story, they all knew what happened to the Titanic, they all knew how not to be overconfident, and yet we're human, and it happens, and I thought, that's the story I have to tell. Ooh, and in 1997, at the L'Enfantine Theater, where, where the sense premiered, you know, we, it's folklore now. It's, you know, I teach, I teach fifth grade during the day in North Bergen. Speaking oh, of great. <laughs> and if you went into my classroom and you spoke to my 120 10-year-olds, every one of them will tell you they know Titanic. Uh -huh. Every one of them will tell you they know the folklore about it. And it's one of those stories because it's about greed. It's about class. It's about money. It's but also bravery and about adventure and about, yes. But, you know, so, and so, and it's funny because, uh, it's, it, it was, uh, I did research it. It's one, it's one of the three or four most, uh, most uh, common words known all over the, in every language all over the world. Everybody knows that word. 
And so everybody thought it was crazy, you know, and, and everybody, you know, I'll never forget Michael Riddle, who I love. And when he heard about it, you know what he wrote in, he, he wrote in his, when he heard about it, you know what he wrote in his, uh, his, his, his weekly uh, column? Oh, uh, Maury Yeston is coming up with this idea of doing a musical based on the Titanic. Wow, watch him sing, watch him dance, watch him drown. <laughs> I don't know. He ate his. He, told me he's, he's, he never ceases to apologize. Nope. <laughs> no, but 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 that's it. Because you see, then and and again for well, everybody who's watching, and certainly those of you who want to write shows or do anything else in your life, yes, people will doubt. But if you have a conviction, just damn the torpedoes and go straight ahead, because yeah. that is my most right now. That is my most performed show all over the world. There have been thousands of productions of it. I, I have either heard it or seen it in English, French, Japanese, Polish, German, uh, in Czechoslovakia, uh, in Korea, in China, everywhere. And, and it never ceases. It just completed its second all UK tour, uh, uh, obviously United Kingdom, and right now it's in Taiwan. Uh, insane. It's been 26 years since it premiered on Broadway. It's been 10 years since the premiere of the, in the London premiere. Yeah. The, the, sh the show went on to win five Tonys. Uh, all, all, it was swept. It was nominated for five and won five. What, including best musical, including best score, right. including best book. What was the show that, that, it, that it beat, what was, that it was nominated against? I can look it up for us. Do you know? I'm sure I, you were there. I'm, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Let's look. I'm trying. No, it wasn't. No, because I remember what happened with nine. With nine, it well, of course, we were nominated against Dreamgirls. Got it. Yes. And and Michael Bennett said to Tommy Toon, "Look here, um, uh, why don't you just open your show after January, <laughs> and then we'll come Tony and then you do it next year." <laughs> It, it didn't happen that way. No. Well, in '97, it, Titanic beat Steel Pier, The Life, and yeah. Um, yeah. and Juan Darian. Yeah. And the rest is history. Yeah. I know I was I was born in '83, so I was a, a youngster, loving, obsessed with musical theater, obsessed yeah. with the Rosie O'Donnell show, obsessed with making my parents. Rosie when Rosie had the whole cast on her show. I'll never forget it. Yeah. And. <laughs> Once it was on, we needed to go see it. And it was a big, giant Broadway production. And the story and the music yeah. and, and, and what you wrote for this show, like like the songs when I when I was listening to it today, and I, I think of listening to Still and The Blame and these, I was a kid listening to these, because you took the, you humanized the Titanic yes. and the people on it, and we didn't become a history book. It became a story. No, it's just all about people and, and, and people's stories. And yes, the, you know, this old Jewish couple, you know, he was a millionaire, Mr. Strauss. And, you know, and so you said, you, and, you know, and they're both, you have these two old, two wonderful old Jewish sweet people and, and they have all the money in the world and they're just, they're just on a romantic voyage at the end of their lives and, and the ship's going to go down. And so, they they pour so they they pour a final drink they and they they drink a toast to each other, and when he drinks the toast I, and he says to you she says who else? <laughs> the most rom romantic and he says you know you know what I I love you now as much as I loved you the first day I met you. 
And the day that we got married, and I said, that's got to be the song. Still, the way I love you still. You know, yeah. and, and again, just because we know we're, we're talking now to so many of you out there who are wanting to be a critic or wanting to write shows, when you're in that situation, in that dramatic situation, and you know, in, in a show, everything that's going to happen emotionally, everything important has to happen in music. Because we sing in musicals when we're in a situation where we're so filled with emotion, we can no longer speak. Mm. He, he knows they're at the end of their lives. They're having their last glass of champagne together. And so and he's going to say, you know, I love you now as much as I love you on the day that you married. And of course, in my head, I thought, well, of course. So they're actually marrying each other again. And because they're Jewish and they're holding champagne glasses, why wouldn't he? I love you then, and I love you still, and the music keeps going. He'll, he'll put his napkin on the glass, put it on the ground, and stamp on it like the end of a Jewish wedding. They literally consummate that marriage again. And I thought, all right, well, there won't be a dry seat in the house. <laughs> and there was. And well, there was. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so... That's how that's how that's how these things happen, you know. And so, I, I think sometimes what may be the worst idea in the world, or seems like the worst idea in the world, might might might, might not be. Uh, it, I, I, yeah, it may end up being a great idea, and it may yeah. end up winning a Tony, and it may end up being done for twenty six years, and now for two nights only, you can see it on the big screen. That's right. That of that. That's right. As a matter of fact, it's this week. Yes, and uh, there you are. November 4th. So, now, uh, you should say, this is Tom Sutherland's uh, English production. Uh, Tom's, Tom's a master. Uh, you, uh, I hope you'll be able to uh, interview him. Tom, Tom Sutherland's just a wonderful British director. He's a fantastic guy. Um, and um, comes from a working class background. And, uh, and of course, nobody does Brits like the Brits. Yeah. It's an English ship. They're yes. all Brits. And and when they did it, it was it was just like, you know, it 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 was just like doing fiddler in Israel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and 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 so everybody in that production that you'll see in this film is just pitch perfect English, whether it's aristocrat, working class, whatever, British Yiddish, which is a whole thing all by itself. It, it's exquisite, and 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 it's because nobody does it like they do. Yes, uh, you know, and it's and you know it's it's every part of it that I wrote that has a kind of a tint of, of Gil, Gilbert and Sullivan in it. They just they just take it to the nth degree. So and and it's 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 videoed brilliantly. It's really it's kind of like it's really it's like a big movie. Yes. and uh, and I think you'll enjoy it very much. I hope well, if you're listening to us or watching us, you go to www.fathomfathomevents.com. It's yeah. two days, so yeah. you. you you got to head to the theater on November fourth and November eighth. It's right. over seven hundred screens, so you it's somewhere oh, in your yeah, yeah, it's huge. And and I should say, you know, if you if you can't remember it, I mean, it's sort of a perhaps an inapposite name of the production to be calling it a fathom because Titanic is fathoms below. See, you know, like maybe it's just an accident. <laughs> when you see your body of work and you see it done around the world and then you see the crop of new 
artists. Is there, and I'm not trying to be controversial, but is there a thought about the way Broadway and theater is in the year 2023? I think it's, I think it's, I think it's greater than ever. Don't forget, I have, having taught to be in my music theater workshop for over 25 years, I have children and grandchildren and great grandchildren from those sitting before me and writing their masterpieces. If it's Bobby Lopez, if it's, if it's, if it's, of course, my contemporaries, Alan Menken, if it's Lynn Aarons, if it's Steve Flaherty, it's all, I watched them, all of them, brilliant geniuses. I mean, my participation in it was being able to sit there and, uh, and, and say, okay, you go next. And, you know, every once in a while, maybe I was able to say something smart. But of course, how you learn in, 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 in that workshop is the audience tells you, right? If you try something funny and they're not laughing, nobody has to say anything. You're, well, you know, I got to write a better joke. And so, and so that really is, a, and it's, it's a great, great, great uh, uh, part of what Lehman Engel gave to the world. And I'm so happy to have been a part of it. And I, as a matter of fact, three weeks ago, I, I guessed at a session. I, I called... I, I called Pat Cook and said, can I come and be a visitor? I just want to see what, what the young people are doing nowadays. And I heard wonderful things that they were writing. And, and, and this will just go on and on and on. And, no, and I think today, I, I, I think today that the, the steady progression and, and evolution of, of musical theater has to morph and has to become, uh, has to reflect the world, the world that we're in. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're in a world of, of telecast and you're in the world of, of live theater and semi-live theater and, and, and all kinds of different things, the, the musical theater is going to change. Uh, and, but, but, you know, tomorrow somebody's going to come in and put something on a stage that you never thought of before and it's going to be innovative. And, and as long as we have that, you know, the musical theater is going to be the, the growing tip of a plant that the, the new leaves that are just coming out of something that that has roots that go back hundreds upon hundreds of years to Shakespeare, you know. I, you know, I, I was I was thinking about it because um, somebody was talking to me about Phantom, and I was thinking about that moment when 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 Christine says to the Phantom, "I want to see your face. I love you. I love you so much. I can see your face." And he says, no, 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 no. And, uh, and she convinces, she, she sings a song called um, My True Love, right? Open and change to me. And as the music goes, he's, he, he takes the chance and he removes the, the mask and she looks and try as she may, she's a human being. And we have to believe that, and of course, his back has got to be the audience, right? And, and so that it, it can be... Nothing that we could show you could be as bad as what you might imagine. Right. And so, and so she, she can't help it, and she screams, and she runs off. And I had to write something there. And, and he, you know, and... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And 
I had this poem by Blake called The Little Black Boy. And I had always loved this poem, like the great, great, great William Blake. And, and it's, it's a poem about, and it says, my mother bore me in the southern wild, was he, right? So he's English, he must have been thinking about uh, black people who they would have confronted in the Industrial Revolution when they went all over the world, when they, they were in, in, in the Caribbean, right? And he sings, my mother bore me in the southern world. Uh, I live in darkness. Uh, uh, my soul is black, but, right? I, uh, my face is black, but my soul is white. White, the complexion of the English child, but I am black and yet bereaved of light. And that, and, um, and he ends the poem by saying, but you know, one day the Lord right, will, will relieve me of this, right? And if I, if I could speak to him, I would, I, 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 would, I would look upon his face and I would, I would, I would, I would, shield him from the sun as I would be a dark shield so his face would not burn and I, and I would be like him and he would love me and I always loved that song and I thought and Phantom would have the humanity to understand literature and greatness and beauty he lived for beauty and I thought I'm going to set that song and so and and he screams, and of course she runs away, and she and he sings. He starts to sing. My mother bore me in the southern wild. Ooh. I live in darkness, but I'm bereaved of light. Right, and and when he ends, and I will, you know, and I will shield her from the sun, and 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 she will then love. And it just made sense. So you never know. You 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 when you start a journey. In the in the dark into the woods, you know. Uh, which is, you know, not only a great show and a great song, but that's what we do when we write. We just go into the woods and we find a way through it. We make a path, and we, you know, and and so that that's that's the writing process, and and so everything I'm writing now is is, is just like that. What we're looking for next year, what we're looking towards, I think Encores is doing Titanic in, yes. in June. I'm thrilled about that. Um, yes. We're hoping uh, there's a lot of talk about a third nine revival, and um, some people are talking about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm I encourage them to continue doing that. Somebody even spoke to me the other day about wanting to do something that's never happened, which is you know we've never had a production of Phantom in New York, and so somebody wants to talk about doing that, and. Well, you know, it never made sense to me because, you know, there is Phantom. You know, Andrews has a magnificent show on Broadway, but that's not there anymore. Right. So it, that might be fun, you know, to just, yes. you know, even for one night, that, that might be good. So, so there's a lot of talk about that. And there's a lot of talk about bringing Grand Hotel back as well. And then, of course, a nine revival. So I, I, I feel very fortunate. You know. Well, Titanic, the cast, a little bit of the cast is announced for City Center. You got everyone, the tickets are going to go in a hot second. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and uh, who knows what will happen to it after it's there, like many shows there. And we are always, I want to say thank you 
Oh. For this musical theater Jersey kid, uh, uh, yeah. well, thank you for, for writing and giving your life to making great art and theater for all of us to enjoy. Well, thank well, thank you very much. I've had great uncles and grandparents, from Jerry Herman to Ruth Herman to Herman Levin to to Julie Stein and to Alan J. Lerner and all the people who helped me out, Layman Angle, and I'm so grateful to them. <laughs> well, and we're grateful for you and everyone right. watching. No matter where you are in the world, Titanic, the musical, and cinemas, November 4th and 8th, only get your tickets at fandomevents.com. Thank you so much. It's an oh, honor. It's so great to talk to you, Robert. I can't wait. Okay. I owe you a cup of coffee, and I want to I want all We'll have it. After done. you have my email. Okay, done. That's it. Okay, take Thank care. Bye-bye. So well, there you go. How cute is he? How much history does he have? It's amazing. That is like musical theater history 101 right there, then and there. So fascinating. Can you imagine coming up with all those people? If you're a musical theater head, I'm so happy you enjoyed this interview. I hope you can go check out Titanic. I hope you check out us every single day here on the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit along with my other friends, listen to the other hosts and other people and other shows that are shared here. And you never know who's popping up on my show. You never know. We are for everything from R&B and hip hop to musical theater, to TV chefs, to reality stars. We just have them all. It's where artists come and talk about art. If you want more information about me, go to robertbannon.com. Follow me at Robert M. Bannon on the Instagram or at The Roundtable with Robert Bannon. My new album called Rewind is out. Talk about music. My story of growing up in New Jersey. Just like Maury. If you want to hear it, go make sure you follow me on Spotify and check it out and uh, give it a stream and a listen and a like. Hope to see you again real soon. Thanks for being here. As always, the best is always yet to come. See you next time here at the Roundtable. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.